Uh, we have been on a four-week topic, and we're on week number three of the four-week topic, uh, talking about three dimensions of grace. The goal is to try to understand every aspect of grace and get a good picture of what grace looks like. So the topic of the series is three dimensions of grace, and we just like to do a little review, and we have a chart that goes up there that gives the three dimensions of grace. It's not in your notes this morning because this is what took place the last couple of sermons, but the three dimensions of grace is unconditional acceptance, empowerment for growth and service, and also cleansing from sin. So when you look at the word grace, the challenge is, is to hold it in these three dimensions. If we do not hold it in these three dimensions, the word grace, we can easily mess the system up. And if the system gets messed up, we actually mess our lives up. Let me just show you how it works. Say if somebody is completely excited about empowerment for growth and service. And whenever they think of grace, they think of the grace that comes with power, strength that comes with energy, strength that comes with, we've got to get this gospel out. We've got to move. Strength of obeying God, strength of loving the law, strength of of just being driven by Christ. It's a great piece of grace. And they also hang on to the cleansing piece of sin. And we're cleansed as a result of this grace. And therefore, I'm going to act cleansed. I'm going to be cleansed. I'm going to make sure I'm doing things right. It's a great message. But what if they forget this unconditional acceptance and do not hold this one in balance? These two would actually turn into somebody that's created to a legalist. They walk into church and say, I obey the law, I complete the law, and I look around and nobody else completes the law. They forget the concept that they are saved by grace, that we have been doomed to destruction because of our sin, and it's only by God's merit, only by what he's done, not what we can do, that we can be saved. Therefore, you're supposed to hold on to all three. Next slide. Hold on to all three to make a healthy, um, a healthy understanding of grace. But if you look at the other one and say, okay, well, what we're going to do is unconditional acceptance is, absolute, is something that is extremely large in grace and make that an ultimate priority, and the cleansing of sin is extremely large in grace. Therefore, I'm set free because I'm saved by God. I'm washed clean, but we did not hold this aspect in. It creates something else in us. It creates us a lazy Christian. Somebody that comes to church and says, I'm accepted, I'm clean, praise God. How many times do I have to go to church to get to heaven? You know, maybe once a year is all right. Maybe twice a month is okay. And we start to measure that we're not understanding grace because grace comes with power, which we're going to talk about this morning. Next one, unconditional acceptance, empowerment from, clean, uh, empowerment from sin and service, and then cleansing the sin. If we hold on to unconditional acceptance and also empowerment, what does this person look like? I'm saved by grace, and I'm going to tell the world that they can be saved by grace whatsoever. And we don't even look at the, the, um, the cleansing that we received in the process of grace. And what does that do? It gives a person a license to sin. You know, I am energy. I have freedom in God. I have everything in God. Who really cares if I sin? We forget that cleansing part. So the challenge of this series, overall series, is to hold these three dimensions in balance. Hold the three dimensions in balance. Today we're going to talk about God's grace being power. Number one, God's divine grace is also God's divine power. If you look up grace, you'll see a definition that says the definition of grace is an unmerited favor. Salvation by grace is God's goodness to those who have no claim on, no reason to expect divine favor. 
The principal manifestation of God's grace has been formed as a gift, free gift of God. There's also another definition of grace that you will see in the dictionary and also in definitions, and you'll see this definition. Grace is a divine influence which operates in humans to regenerate and sanctify, to inspire virtuous impulses, and to impart strength to endure trial and resist temptation. Now, those are two different definitions, but you're still working off of the one word. Now, one thing that takes place in the Bible is that you will get the word grace, but it might be working on that definition rather than even this definition. In fact, it does it interchangeably in a sense that when you look at the word grace, it doesn't always mean an unmerited gift. It actually means power to influence We want to definitely look at passages in Scripture that are talking in that regards. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Power works in connection with the grace. So if you're talking about with great power, the apostles were doing something, and grace continued to fill them, what's continued to fill them? An unmerited favor? Do they need an unmerited favor consistently filling them? No, this grace is referring to power. Now, what does power look like? You know, when I was in my 20s, I I used to do a lot of cutting wood. You know, that's the way we heat our our house. And uh, when I cut wood in the 20s, I'd lift up that maul above my head, and I'd bring it down, and I'd tell you the wood would just... Um, explode. Somebody told me, they said, there's not a single wood in this piece of wood in this world that you cannot split. So never think that you can't do it. And I believed that when I was 20, and I would not stop with hardly even breaking a sweat. Chopped wood yesterday, and I'm 44 now, and I don't know what takes place, but the malls get heavier, the wood gets harder as time goes on, and it just does not happen. Yesterday, I was sitting down with sweat dripping down my face, a sick stomach, and I looked down, and I hardly even got my truck full. I'm like, I called D and said, D, I need your, you need your splitter. <laughs> I don't need to do this anymore. I understand what power is. When I was in my 20s, it came down hard, and something happened. I understand what lack of power is. It comes down hard, and something just doesn't happen. Maybe it's not as hard as we think it is. Let's look at this verse. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection. I understand how to split wood, but what is it talking about? Great power, the apostles were giving testimony to this resurrection. We speak of the resurrection all the time. The gospel is given consistently all the time. Here in this church, here off this pulpit, Jesus came to earth as a perfect man. He died in our stead, and he rose again, and he lives. That's given. But this verse, there's something else going on inside of it. As that gospel was given, there was a power that was behind it. What kind of power was behind it? Gospel was given. Eyes were open. Hearts were touched. People's lives were healed. People saw that this gospel carries something that is bigger than them. They were then responding to this gospel, the same gospel that we consistently speak. But when it was coming out, there was a power that was happening in individuals' lives because they heard it in its clarity. And when they heard it in its clarity, 
They started to devote themselves to it. They started to sell everything they had and give to the poor. They started a revival, started taking place. How did this revival happen? The gospel came with power. And then to finish the verse, and the Lord, about the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them. What does that mean? Abundant power was on the people that were preaching the message. Well, as they're preaching the message and people are being moved with the gospel, the preacher was like, I, gotta, I can't stop. I've got to pray more. I've got to do more. I've got to give more. I've got to sacrifice more. We've got to keep going. The gospel comes with power, and power is taking place in people's lives because the gospel is being presented. And the preacher was like, the people, the apostles were like, we can't stop at this. Lack of sleep more preaching, more prayer, more community. Wherever they went, they started sharing the gospel as a result of the power that was there. People were being shocked, moved, responsive, emotional. Lives were changed. And the apostles were also being filled with grace, power. We got to move. We got to go harder. We got to preach more. We got to study more. We got to pray more. God filled them to do more and more and more and more. When we talk about this grace being power, this is what, we talk, what we're talking about. Number two, grace is the power and ability of God operating through us. We just want to give more verses in the context of grace being power. Um, one verse, that, uh, um, not a verse specifically, but almost a general perspective that we see in the New Testament is when the apostles, Jesus was talking to the apostles in the upper room, and what does he say? He said, it is good for me to go because when I go, something else is going to come. And when that something else, which is the Holy Spirit comes, what's he going to come in? He's going to come in power. And he is going to do what? Convict the world of sin. He's going to bring comfort. So whenever you think of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what you think of, but I think of energy. I think of strength. I think of power. Power to live the Christian life. Power to be bold. Power and motivation to press forward. That's what the Holy Spirit was given to us for. Hebrews 10.9 calls the Holy Spirit, who insulted the Spirit of grace. Yes, there's grace in the Holy Spirit, but its position carries such umph, such strength, such power. Is this talking about the spirit of an unmerited gift? The unmerited gift came from Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about the Trinity here, and they feed off each other. It came from Jesus Christ. And then that message, Jesus Christ, is then given in power with the strength of the Holy Spirit. But yet it's called the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of power. Luke 2, 40 talks about somebody who the power was upon them. And this is Jesus when he was young. Luke 2, 40 says, And the child grew Jesus grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's define grace. And the unmerited gift of God that he did not deserve was upon Jesus. Would that be a correct translation? That's not a correct translation because, or a correct definition because Jesus didn't need the unmerited gift of God. Jesus never sinned. The definition is the power of God was upon him, using that word, the same word, grace. Also, grace was upon Paul. Look at 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by grace of God, I am what I am, 
and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See what's taking place? Is he saying, I received this grace, this unmerited gift, and it is, has hit me. But with it, I'm working harder than all else. By using the same word, by the grace, by the power of what took place working inside of me. So you see, both of those words, same word, different definitions in a sense of what it offers. So what is this power? It's a power of boldness, power of confidence, power of strength, power of energy. It's determination. It's conquering sin, conquering temptation. It's vision, it's passion, it's wisdom, it's love. Now we can look at that and say, well, there's a lot of people that want nothing to do with Jesus, and they carry boldness, and they carry confidence, and they carry strength. Uh, why are we you know, categorizing grace as God's grace God's power in grace only, you know, comes to believers. Well, who can be confident at the time of their death? You might be confident in your business field, but the one that can only be confident in the time of death is the one that has taken the power of grace, the power of Christ. Boldness, we can often be bold, but when we're shut down time and time and time and time again, what does it do? It ruins our boldness but not under the power of grace. Our boldness increases the more that we even get shut down because we're working for something even larger than ourselves. And when we work for something larger than ourselves, we can keep going no matter what our situations and circumstances happen and take place. Grace is a power that is working in us. Yes, grace saves us, but it doesn't just save us and leave us. It saves us And it's not something you forget. It's something that starts something inside of us. And that is power. Number three, God wants us to grow in this power. Now, as a father with two daughters, one graduating from high school next year, um, there's a lot of things that I want for them. My wife and I had a discussion years ago and, and asked, what is our greatest fears? And one of our greatest fears is, I just want my kids to grow up loving God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Um, that's what I want them to do. And one of our greatest fears would be that they reject God. They want nothing to do with God. This is what I want as a father. I also want them to find good husbands. I've <laughs> been praying diligently, God, please give them a good husband in a sense that it's a huge decision for the course of their life. I also want them to be taken care of. And As Maddie's looking at colleges, I want her to go to the right school, the school that God wants her to go to. And I want her to align herself with God's will. And I want her to be successful in the process of aligning herself with God's will. This is what I want as a father for my daughters. But as God's son, what does God want for me? Second Peter 3.18. He wants you to grow in grace. I want you to grow in power and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. To hear the words, God wants us powerful. Four, God wants you to be strong in his power. One thing I enjoy as a father is I enjoy watching my daughter play soccer. 
My youngest daughter is a freshman in high school now, and she just made the soccer team. And as she plays, I'm not going to try to brag, but I am going to, so it's just going to happen. She can kick the ball from half court and make it into a goal like no other. Um, She is aggressive. I don't know if this is a good word. Mean. (laughs) Uh, Fast and strong. And Dad just sits there and nods and says, that's my girl, that's my girl, that's my girl. Uh, She went to a game um, in Newport last Saturday, and I was preaching, so I could not go to the game. And I called her and said, well, how was the game? And she said, it was bad. I'm like, bad? What does bad mean? Bad means that I went after the ball, I knocked somebody over. That wasn't bad, that's okay. That person fell, I got flagged. That wasn't bad, that's okay. But I hurt my foot. I don't know if I sprained my ankle or I tore a ligament and I am laid up right now and can't even stand on my foot. And I'm like, honey, that's bad. I'm sorry, I didn't ask about the other people, but, you know, so she's been laid up all week. And as she's laid up all week, she, in her mind, she's like, I can't do this. I want to play. And your dad's going, I know we can't do this. We want to play. And she's got an appointment tomorrow that will check and see if a tendon was ripped or torn or something like that because it's really hurting. And, and we're praying, oh, I hope there's not a tendon. I hope this is a two-week healing, one-week healing. I hope it's a two-day healing. <laughs> it might not be, but hope it's not out for all season. But this is what we do. It's fun when dad looks at the girls and sees them strong. When God looks at us, it's fun when he looks down and sees us as strong people. Second Timothy 2, 1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. This is a command. I want you to be strong in the power that is in Jesus Christ. I don't want you sitting on the bench. I want you to broaden your shoulders and be strong. Number five, God can make you abundant in this power. People suffer from lack of motivation. People suffer from and even at times, um, um, laziness and times we just, I just don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to do. And, and, and we think of how can we get out of it? You know, one source to get out of it is a God that doesn't want you in it. A God that desires to give you abundant strength, abundant power, abundant movement, and abundant boldness. There is a source that wants to get you out of it. Therefore, plugging in that source would be a step further to do. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all power, all grace, abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good work. There's a desire for God. God has a desire for us to be moving hard, fast, sweating, enjoying it, increasing in strength, increasing in power. This is a desire that God has for us. So we want to ask the question, how do we increase power in our lives? We see a God who wants us. You see a God who um, almost commands it. You see a God that says, I want you to walk around strong and powerful. How do you increase God's power, God's grace in your life? How do you do it? These are two general things that encompass a lot, but it's the start of increasing God's power. Number six, to increase power, 
grace in your life. Live making God's name priority over yours. Every year we go on a family rafting trip, and uh, my youngest daughter um, ran her own boat for the first time um, this year. And it was a nine-foot cat, which is a lot smaller than, than my raft. And uh, sure enough, we went through uh, White Horse. And at the end of White Horse, there is uh, one hole. Uh, hole is what rafters like, uh, because what you do, it's a rock. And then you got the water that goes over the top, and your boat dives in the middle, and it comes up. And it's just really enjoyable. That uh, was fairly large. So, of course, what do I do? I go into it just for the fun of it and enjoy it. But I also have a large boat. And my daughter came up behind me, and I looked over, and I said, she's going to hit this hole. And sure enough, she did. She hit it straight on and went right down. Now, when the raft goes down, the water is very, very powerful. It takes the raft, and her raft, because it's smaller, shoves the raft into the water and her into the water. Now, that sounds like fun, but it's not the most aggressive part. The most of the grass apart, if you ever put a lot of air in the water, it wants to get out. You shove a lot of air in the water, which that cat did, went down, it shot straight up in the air because it wants to get out with my daughter on it. And when it did, I looked back and that cat went straight up and she just flew like a rag doll right into that hole. What was in dad's mind? Don't tell her, hopefully she's not in the room, but in dad's mind... I said, that is awesome. (laughs) Don't worry. The next thought I thought, is she all right? So I did have a good thought that came out. But when she did come up and she goes, I'm all right, Dad. I said, that was awesome. Awesome. That was really good. And then when it camped that later night, she said, you know, Dad, I want to hit that thing again. I'm like, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. That is really, really good. When God looks at our work and he gets the response of, that is really good, really awesome, what would we do where he would respond that way? What would we do where he would respond that way? The answer to that question is when something happens that is so large, God responds awesome when his name is exalted to people when his name is presented to people and the reason why he responds so awesome when his name is proclaimed is because his name comes with the power the power to save the power to change the power to give life in this world and we also see it In Lucifer, the biggest problem with a human being is that we exist to exalt our names. In fact, what we do is we exist to exalt ourselves. Even when we go to work, it's like, okay, what's my job? I've got to do this for the purpose of getting this and for the purpose of making this happen, for the purpose of this happening. And we think, boy, things are going really good. I must be really blessed by God. God is not saying awesome until you get out of the way. And what I mean by get out of the way is step back and say, my job is one thing, but when I have to make a business decision, is it going to proclaim the name of God in my decision, or is it going to be a good 
business decision that might even mock the name of God. Every day we are faced with uh, the topic of whose name is going to be proclaimed today. Is it my name or is it God's name? 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace, meaning power, that is in Jesus Christ. Let's read it with the word power. Therefore, my son, be strong in the power that is in Jesus Christ. Be strong in the power? How do you be strong in the power that is in Jesus Christ? Here's a verse that explains that verse. And it's more of a story than it is a verse. It's a story of Apostle Paul who had something majestic happen to him. He went into the third heaven. Now there's three different heavens. The third heaven where God is at. And when he went into the third heaven and saw all God's glory, he said, there is some inexpressible things that I cannot even speak. And he came back and God knew him. And the way that God knew him is that there is no way he can come back and not proclaim his name with what happened to him. In fact, when he comes back, he is going to proclaim what's going on in heaven, and he is going to be glorified. Therefore, God says, I will send him a messenger from Satan, and I will give him a thorn in his flesh. So his name is not proclaimed. Why? Because this is probably the, this is the most effective person that's ever been on this world for the church. And God did not want his name proclaimed. Gave him that thorn in the flesh, and here's his words. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may be rest on me. You see, what Paul did is Paul conquered himself so God could be seen. What he did is he said, this is my message. I'm going to step back, and I don't want to get in the center of the message. I'm going to step back, and my drive is not me. My drive is not what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, or taking anything from what's taking place. I want to make sure God's name is exalted. I will step back and push God forward. He even says it to the point that when I am weak, that is when Christ is strong. The hardest thing you will ever do in your life, every one of us, is to conquer ourself. What happens is you see Christ go to the cross, and when he went to the cross, what did he do? He conquered himself. Not my will be done, but God's will be done. He was pointing even a direction to God. And he has given us that message and said, if you want power, this is where you're going to get it. You're going to get it when you step back and say, it's not my name be glorified, it's God's. Just to finish that verse, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then my God is strong. And that was the statement of Paul's life. You hear the sermon about, oh yes, I want power, I want power. What? It's almost even a temptation to say, power would be great because think of the position I can have. Think of the dollars I can have. Think of what I can do. It's not the case. Would I give, if I had the power to do it, give power 
to somebody that was making a wrong decision. When we do interviews of somebody walking in the door and say, I got to do an interview, and, and the person says, okay, I'd love to be part of your church. Um, one thing I am, I am addicted to drugs right now, and I'm trying to get over that, and I do have a problem with alcoholism, and I, I just, uh, I beat my wife on a regular basis, and, and she's no longer um, with me right now, but I'd really like to work at Jefferson Baptist Church. Um, if that was said, I wouldn't say, okay, let's put you in a good position. <laughs> let's, let's, let's put you on the, behind the pulpit. Let's start preaching. Let's try, let's try that first. That's just not what we do. That's not what God does. When somebody says, God's name is what I want to do, it's like, oh, there is where I'm going to increase the power. Not in somebody that says, well, I want to be power for my own position. God doesn't increase that power. He increases the power that wants to exalt the name. Therefore, the first step for power to be increased is to make sure that God's name is the focus and not ours. Second Thessalonians 1.11 makes a statement again. To this end, also, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness and the work of your faith with power. Paul is saying you're going to get some power. But then he says, for this reason, watch the reason, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you power so God's name will be proclaimed. 1 Timothy 4.11, whoever speaks, it is to do so as the one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, the dominion, forever and ever and ever, Lucifer got in the way of that. God did not increase his power. He lost all his power because of that. The question would be, am I, are you getting in the way of that? Number seven, this would be number two to increase the power of grace in your life. Live wanting what God wants. What does God want? If you're asking that question, it's a clear indication that you don't read your Bible. <laughs> Because if you open up the Word of God, almost every verse, there is, you can read into something. This is what God wants from you in this verse. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Love your neighbor as yourself. Make disciples. Be anxious for nothing. There's all these things expressing what God wants from you. Now, if we align ourselves with that, and I want to do exactly what God wants to do, that is when our empower energy, passion, vision, will, desire, determination is going to increase. Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, for what purpose? So you will abound in every work? No, every good work. What's good work? God is good. And everything that comes out from Scripture is pure, is clean. You will be involved in every good work. That's the vision of power that he wants to give you. So we have to ask the question, am I in line with it? Or do I really not want to be in line with it? Do I really not want to connect with it? Hebrews 4, 16, Therefore, 
Let us draw near with confidence to the throne room of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is that? Come into the throne room of grace, an undeserved gift, an undeserved blessing. Grace has been granted to you. Come into the throne room of grace, and if you do, you will receive what? Grace. Come grab your unmerited favor. And in the process of grabbing your unmerited favor, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Grace is not just pardon, it's power. But the purpose of the power is to exalt the one who pardoned you. I think the reason why grace is used as a definition of unmerited favor and power is because God didn't give us a message to embrace and be done with. He gave us a message of salvation, unmerited grace, for us to be saved and then for us to carry it through the generations. Salvation is not a one-time shot. Being saved is a one-time shot to heaven. But it's more of a rich thing than just, oh, I'll take, heaven so, I'll take grace so I can get to heaven. That's not, that's not grace. I take grace so I can feed on grace for the rest of my life. That is grace in unmerited favor, and that is grace in power. God, we just thank you for this amazing grace. It, that word alone, God, grace, comes with such a punch, with so much strength, with so much beauty. And God, it is the center of your word, and it drives your word. And I just pray, God, that it will drive our life. God, help us not to put that word aside but help us to understand it, help us to live by it, help us to embrace it, help us to be passionate about it, to love it, help us to use it. God, we just thank you so much, God, for bringing that word to us, and I just pray that we'll not let go of it. In Christ's name, amen.